the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't waste the gift of singleness on self. You have more time. You have more money. You have more energy. Don't waste it on yourself. God gave you this to glorify Him and to build up His body. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. It's hard being single in the church. It doesn't help that the church gives bad advice to singles. The married in the church give bad advice to singles. Pressure. Wrong thinking. Unbiblical counsel. There's a pressure within the church to think that marriage is the be-all, end-all of Christian living. That ministry cannot be fully realized until you are married. And ironically, it is this unbiblical thinking, this unbiblical pressure that makes so many singles waste so much time looking for or thinking about a spouse. They throw away so many ministry opportunities. This morning, I would like to clear up some of your thinking, singles. And I also want to fix some of your advice, marrieds. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The gift. Maybe I have the gift. They're referring to the gift of singleness, of course, and usually talk about it as a joke because they can't get a date. But from what this passage says, there is actually a gift of singleness, but it may not be what you think it is. Because as we will see, the fact that you even want to date means you do not have the gift. And if you pursue that gift, it can actually be quite dangerous. Although the term the gift comes from the passage we just read, it is often misused and misunderstood in the church. And so this morning, I want to give you three clarifications. Three clarifications regarding the gift of singleness. And singles and married, it is so important to understand this. The first clarification regarding the gift is that the gift of singleness is a spiritual gift. The gift of singleness is a spiritual gift. Let me read for you again verse 7. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, 
Each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Paul ends his discourse on marital intimacy that we saw last week with this statement. Verse 7 is actually a transitional statement that ends the paragraph that we saw last week, but I saved it for today as it introduces this teaching on singleness. Although briefly addressed here, as I mentioned earlier, he will pick up on this topic again later in verses 32 through 40. For a time this morning, we need to set the foundational truth that Paul's desire is that all men be single. They remain single. And that's what he's referring to when he says, as I myself am. Within the context, we need to understand that he is speaking of more than just singleness or the status or state of being unmarried. He's talking about celibacy, the gift of celibacy. What's the difference? Singleness describes your unmarried state. Celibacy, as Paul uses it in this context, is not the lack of sexual intimacy. It's the lack of desire for sexual intimacy. This isn't someone who's confused about sex. This isn't someone who's grossed out by it. This isn't someone who's uh, had it in a sinful way and now just is, is so averse to that sin This isn't even about not struggling with immorality or lust. We're talking about a genuine lack of desire to be married, to have a spouse. And with that, no struggles with the desire for intimacy. Not that they've suppressed it, not that they've mastered it. They've just has no desire to be married, to have that companionship even. Not that they never get lonely. They just don't want to be married. This is the gift that Paul is referring to here. We see that is way more than just being unmarried. This is very important to understand. As we will see in a moment, the unmarried individual who has a sex drive is encouraged to get married because they don't have this spiritual gift. And what we are seeing here is not just a relationship status, but an authentic heart attitude and state of mind. And this state of mind, frankly, is foreign to most of us. Because we are married or we want to get married. We struggle with the desire for the companionship and the intimacy. And although we all are or have been single at some point in our lives, most of us have not been in a state of having no desire for this type of intimacy that we spoke of last week. Whether desiring it only in marriage or just simply desiring it is indication that you don't have this gift. This is rare the gift, and it must be granted by God, which is why Paul refers to it as a gift from God. Although Paul has his personal preference for others to remain single, he understands that it is only possible to remain this way and to be single in the way that we are talking about if it comes from God. Understand this. The way that he is using the word gift here is the same way he uses the word in referring to any spiritual gift, the gift of helps, the gift of teaching. This is a spiritual gift, a spiritual enabling by God. Now, I want to be fair and I want to be clear. Paul was married at one time. We know this because in Acts 26, we are told that he was a member of the Jewish tribunal of elders before his salvation, known as the Sanhedrin, 
We also know from history that marriage was a requirement to be a part of the Sanhedrin. And so we know that at one time he was indeed married, but at this time he is single. We know that throughout his apostleship he was single. Most assume that his wife had died. We aren't told for sure what happened to her. It's not important for our context, and obviously God didn't tell us, so we don't need to know. With that in mind, though he has a personal preference, he doesn't raise either to a higher level of spirituality. This is also very important to understand. In other words, he does not say it is better to be single, nor does he say it is better to be married. Depending on the situation for you, it may be better, as we'll see in a moment, but in and of themselves, neither is just more spiritual. Because it all comes down to how God has gifted you. And this is a principle that we understand of all spiritual gifts. It's nothing to brag about. It doesn't make you better. It's just how God has gifted people differently. And when we understand that celibacy is a spiritual gift, we need to also understand a few other things. And we're going to give you uh, five subpoints here. Understand this. Since it is a spiritual gift, it is from God. I know that's obvious, but I want to elaborate on this. As a Christian, the gift of singleness or singleness in this manner, celibacy, it's not just part of your DNA. It's not just part of your genetics. It is a special enabling from God. And if it comes from God, listen carefully, singles, it is good. If it comes from God, it is good. Those who really have the gift don't struggle with this except for the previously mentioned bad advice and pressure from other Christians. They're content being single because they have no desire to be otherwise. Regardless of what others may say or think, if this gift is from God and you have it, then praise him for it, worship him for it. Number two, since it's a spiritual gift, it is not a matter of personal preference. This probably speaks more to those who don't have the gift and try to pressure people. Oh, how about him? How about her? Why don't, just think about it. Why wouldn't you want to be married? It's not a personal preference. They don't just change their mind. It is from God. Thirdly, since it's a spiritual gift, it is not a self-disciplined feat that you can take credit for. It's just a gift from God. Number four, since it's a spiritual gift, those blessed with this particular gift cannot expect others to have the same gift. I struggled with this for a long time. And I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. But for many years, and, and even now I need to remind myself, uh, I would have a serious problem with other Christians who didn't minister to the same capacity that I did. If I can do, my, my thing was, if I can do it, why can't you do it? I don't get it. Why does this not make sense to you? Just do it. Because I, frankly, I have a pretty low view of myself, so I didn't understand that if I could do this stuff, why can't everyone do it? But it was my understanding of spiritual gifts that said, well, we're all gifted in different ways. You can't expect other people to have it. And frankly, especially with this gift, you can't expect other people to even understand it. 
But because of this, you are not to judge those who are married or judge other singles because they desire to date and be married. You're not to think yourself better than them. It's from the Lord. You can't take credit for it. And you can't expect other people to have it. I would also say this in the subheading of you can't expect other people to have or even understand this gift. We need to beware of having a twisted or unbiblical view of marriage simply because you don't understand it or want it. People who visit our church who come from extremely charismatic or liberal or seeker-sensitive churches who grew up in those churches, got saved in those churches, they don't get and they have a serious problem with my expository preaching. And it's the same thing. If you have the gift of singleness, you have to be very careful. Just because you are not interested in it doesn't mean that marriage or dating is unbiblical, wrong, or evil, or sinful, or twisted. And fifthly, to understand in regards to this being a spiritual gift, since it is a spiritual gift, it does take effort. It does take effort. The gift itself does not arise from personal choice or self-discipline, but it does take effort. I trust that you all understand that I can do what I'm doing right now and that you enjoy it and grow through it because it is a gift. It's the Lord working through me. But I also hope and trust that you understand that I didn't just goof off all week, woke up this morning, combed my hair, threw on part of a suit, and this is just happening. I studied, I worked, I adjusted, I readjusted. It takes effort. So how does the gift of singleness take effort? Well, I don't mean that it takes effort in suppressing urges or ignoring your desire to be married. Again, if that's the case, you don't have this particular gift. It will take effort in that your gift, as all gifts, are given for the building up of the body, not just for yourself. Don't waste the gift of singleness on self. You have more time. You have more money. You have more energy. Don't waste it on yourself. God gave you this to glorify him and to build up his body. It's also going to take effort to appreciate that marriage is the norm for God's people and that you are to respect that. You are to encourage that and bless those with that gift. This list I just gave you is important for those with this gift to understand. But church, you cannot pressure someone with the gift of celibacy to date and get married any more than you can pressure me to stop preaching and learn the guitar or something like that. That's not my gift. That's not what I'm supposed to do here. We all have our own spiritual gifts and we must use them for the glory of God, even if your gift is rare and it's not something that is typically seen in the church, like preaching or music. Use it for God's glory. And it is true that we have created a culture in the American church that pressures singles so much that they react with anger. They react with a lack of self-confidence. And we're almost telling them, you can't serve till you fix that. Church, we need to cut that out. We need to cut it out. On a practical level, 
We don't want to create a culture where marriage is expected and someone violate all of those items on my list simply because they want to please their parents, please the church, meet unbiblical expectations. I don't want to get married. I have no desire to get married. But people kept, keep sending guys my way. People just ask you, when are you going to get married? So I guess that's the key, right? That's the key to be accepted in this church. That's the key to finally function. We can't do that, guys. We too must praise God for the variety He has given us in the brothers and sisters around us, including those who God has gifted and called to be single till He meets them face to face. The gift of singleness is a spiritual gift. I don't know about you, but when it's clear that someone has a spiritual gift... I dare not meddle with what God has chosen to do. The second clarification regarding the gift of singleness is that the gift of singleness is a selfless good. Look at verse 8. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. Paul gets more specific now and refers to the unmarried and widows in verse 25. He will add a third group, which is virgins, which is another term for those who have never been married. And so this covers all types of single people. Together, all three would refer to the whole gamut. Young singles, never married, divorced, widows, widowers, all of them. And he goes further than just saying that he would prefer single stay single. He now says it is good for them to do so. Why? He doesn't just say remain as I because, hey, singleness is great because, you know, Paul just spent all his money and time on himself. No, he didn't do that. I would imagine if he were living today, he probably wouldn't even know what Netflix was, honestly. At the end of the chapter, he will tell the unmarried that they can focus more on serving God and serving others because they are single. Whereas married people have their time and attention split between ministry and family, that's a good thing. We worship God through that. But the unmarried do not have that added responsibility, and so they can focus on everyone else. And this goes back to the fact that singleness is a spiritual gift. And like all spiritual gifts, you can use it selfishly. Your time, your talents, you can use them selfishly. I'll give you a little clue. I believe I have the gift of preaching and teaching. But it doesn't just come out when I'm speaking spiritual things. It can apply to any topic that I want. And I can use that selfishly. I can use that to manipulate. I can use that to be a guru, self-help guru that makes a lot of money and cheats people out of money. All spiritual gifts can be used selfishly, including, and perhaps especially, the gift of singleness. Part of that spiritual gift are many practical gifts. And sometimes it's hard to, to see this because you've only been in that situation. But you do have more time. You do have more money. You do have more flexibility. Which is great because you can use it to travel Night out with the girls every night. Binge watch. Or you can use it to serve, which is why God made you that way, by the way. 
Paul is a great example. He's a great role model. We understand and we read, to a certain degree, the intensity of his missionary work. It would have been impossible to do that if he was married and have a biblical marriage. He'd never be with her. Or he would, and he just wouldn't have planted all those churches. He couldn't have done it if he was married. God knew what he was doing. Married at one time, now with the gift of singleness. And there are a couple details in this verse to point out. First, this is not a command. It is a suggestion. A divinely inspired suggestion, as it is Scripture, but it is not a command. There is no imperative here. In other words, it is up to the individual. There is no command in this verse. And secondly, nobody is saying this is easy. Nobody is saying this is going to be easy. Aside from being unmarried, the singling out of widows is very interesting for this point. In Paul's day, widows faced a lot more challenges than widowers with finances, frankly, being the heart of the issue, because generally women did not, could not work. They wouldn't be hired. There was no life insurance. There are no retirement funds. You get divorced, your husband dies, you're in big trouble. And hopefully, suddenly a lot of these Old Testament stories are making sense to you, why these women didn't just be on their own. For them, remaining single meant there was nobody to provide in a time when salaries really just existed for men. I mean, even in Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, she sells fabrics, but that was really more of a a side hustle. It wasn't a primary income that could have supported her whole family. And I get it that times are different, but the point remains the same. If you have been given the gift of singleness, but you want to marry for the sake of convenience, you might want to rethink your decision. Nobody said this would be easy or comfortable. Just because you have extra resources doesn't mean it's easy just to give them all up. And especially if you are no longer in college, And trust me, I've seen this so many times. Man, I I don't think I have the gift of singleness, they say. But I know I'm going to be single for a while. I'm going to use it for ministry. I'm going to use it to give. I'm going to use it to serve. And then, cha-ching, first paycheck. Whoa! Never had that much money in his hands before in his life. They start buying stuff. They start getting tied down to debt, mortgage, way sooner than they should have a mortgage. And then they're stuck. But what's more, I think, is more reality is they have all this time. They don't have to study. They're literally done at five and they're home. So what do they do? What do they use their time doing? And then you get so comfortable being selfish, right? And you say, well, that's okay because I don't have a family. I don't have kids. It's me time. No. No, 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 no. That's not why you're single. You're single because it's God's time. He gave you that time. He gave you that money. He gave you those resources so that you can serve. So don't waste it doing whatever it is that you do. Don't waste it just mulling the idea of marriage. Use your time wisely. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But it is a blessing and it is a joy. On the flip side, if you see marriage as something that will take away from your free time and ability to have fun, then again, you're grossly missing the point. 
It is a gift that is to be used for the benefit and betterment of others, as is marriage, but we are to serve no matter what place God has put you in. Let me give you a third clarification regarding the gift of singleness. Thirdly, the gift of singleness is a subjective good. You say, well, anyway, we just read this, that it's good in Scripture. How can something that's good in God's eyes be subjective? Well, we've already seen that singleness is a suggestion. It's not a command. It is a gift for some, not all. It's never a command. And even though it may be good for some, it is actually bad, not neutral, bad for others. In other words, this is not a blanket, objectively good thing for anyone who pursues it. In fact, it is plain dangerous in the hands of the wrong people, so it is only subjectively good. It is only good if you have the gift. So in what situations would it be bad? Verse 9. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I mentioned last week that the desire to have sex or even a lack of self-control in this area is not the only reason to be married, but it is a biblical reason. And in this specific context is a clear sign that you do not have the gift of singleness. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.